Welcome to the May Contain Wine Podcast, brought to you by Wine, Women, and Wellbeing. I'm your host, Lisa Webb, and together we're going to get to know incredible women doing all kinds of interesting things. So grab a glass and get ready to be inspired by the amazing women in our global community. Hello, my friends. Today, I am here with Dr. Shar Ray, who is a practicing chiropractor in Richmond Hill, Ontario, and a graduate of the psychology program at Queen's University, as well as Andrea Bosco, who is a mindfulness expert, certified yoga instructor, and the owner of Gateway Yoga, running classes, workshops, and retreats throughout the greater Toronto area in schools and workplaces. Together, Dr. Shar and Andrea created the Empowerment Project five years ago, a platform for science-based mindfulness. They've married both of their backgrounds to develop a multifaceted program to support mental health and well-being for schools and workplaces, from stress management support to guiding people on their paths of resilience and building a mindfulness toolkit. They back up all of their information with scientific data to support individuals personally and professionally. Their mission is to explore and ignite transformation in our daily lives and the lives of others by mastering our physical, mental, and emotional states, empowering all of us to shift into our maximum human potential. Holy smokes, ladies, that's exciting. How are you? (laughs) Very good. Thank you for being here, ladies. Welcome. Thank you for having us on. This is the first time that I've had two people at the same time. So this is very exciting for me. Well, we hope we don't talk over each other and overwhelm. (laughs) It's all good. Cause you know what? That's what happens sometimes when you get excited. We're like, we need to like have a a talking stick or something. We'll put our hands up. No, I'm just kidding. It'll be fun. So ladies, can you introduce yourselves a little bit? I don't know who wants to go first, but one at a time, you can just kind of give me, um, a little bit more in depth of a background on who you are and what you do. Dr. Uh, Shar, you wanna go first? Sure, yeah, I'll start. Um, So I am a practicing chiropractor. I've been practicing for over 20 years and um, I've had a huge passion for um, wellness and the well-being of my patients. Like I've never looked at my patients as, as physical beings as much as I have as whole beings, right? So there's the mental aspect, the physical, the biochemical. And um, what's really cool is that I started doing a lot of uh, a lot of coaching and I started using a lot of the tools that we, that we use in the Empowerment Project with my uh, patients. And it's been very successful uh, in the sense that I've seen such a tremendous difference uh, in the health and well-being of my patients. Uh, I have three kids and anything that I teach other students or children or patients, uh, my kids are also taught, you know, with, with the eye roll as well, right? Because I always get a nice eye roll when I, when I start lecturing them on stuff. Um, but yeah, I think that's me in a nutshell. I've done a lot of corporate work where I've set up wellness centers within companies. And obviously, as you know, the current situation doesn't really allow us to go in, but that was very successful when we were doing it. We were able to set up wellness centers and really focus on employee uh, health and wellness. So that was a lot of fun. And, you know, now things are evolving. Mm-hmm. And we're shifting. 
Yes, we are. Yeah. Andrea? So yeah, um, I'm Andrea and I started um, working in the marketing field uh, back in oh, 2000 or 99 right out of, out of university. And um, that was sort of where I wanted to be in advertising marketing. And, and I worked in that industry for 11 years. And then I would say at the 10 year mark, I started to feel this pull to do more, to want to work with the humanities and helping people. I had, I had become a yoga student in my early 20s. And um, I never thought I would teach it, I'll be honest, but I just started to feel this pull towards wanting to do something more. And that this kind of rat race of the media and marketing and advertising world just wasn't gonna sit with me forever. Having children definitely changed that too when I looked at my kind of work-life balance at the time. Mm -hmm. So then I was let go from my job suddenly. And you know, I look at it as the universe kind of is telling me you know, you weren't going to take the step. So we were just going to push you out the door. Um, so it was tough, very tough at the time. You know, you identify with what you do for a living with who you are. And it was, it was a blow to my ego, blow to my everything. Mm -hmm. And so, but it forced me to start to really look at what I wanted. And did I want to go right back into that world? Or was this my actual opportunity to do what I've been asking for for so long. So that's when I started my, um, my yoga teacher training course, and just really diving deep into that mindfulness space. And I just fell in love with it. It was like, I had done it before. And, and it was, it just became so much a part of me. And then um I actually got pregnant with my second child the day I graduated, which today is my anniversary of the day I graduated oh, from the yoga teacher training. And um, so when I found out I was pregnant with my second child, it was sort of like, okay, this is solidifying that I cannot go back to that world. Um, my first child, you know, I went to work, I came home, I saw her for like an hour and then put her to bed and it was just right back into the rat race again. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where things progressed. And then um, I met the lovely Char at a book club, actually a female, I would say empowerment book club that where we focused mainly on self-development books and there was always food and wine and coffee. The best part and, about book club, really. <laughs> right. And tea and, and, and just lots of conversation and like, 3am like coming home my husband's Whoa. like where have you been I need that night? book club that sounds oh, yeah. so fun it's like was it was just the best thing ever we haven't really been able to pivot it virtually but I think we may eventually but um so that's where we met and we just started talking about our passions and how um you know she she just loved the wellness side of of her science background and then kind of merging the two made so much sense and then it kind of organically happened where we're like why don't we start putting a program together let's just sort of see how it works and we actually created it to run in schools the first and foremost because we really felt like children of all ages needed to be taught this information um, as they head into this 
you know, crazy world that we're in and just a different world. Like it was, it's just different from when we grew up. Social media is everywhere. And um, so we wanted to, to provide some tools and stress management and teach them mindfulness early on. So that's kind of where it started. And then it just gradually progressed into the corporate world um, as well. And, and here we are now, and we've had to kind of shift again because of COVID and, and do things virtually, but um, we're finding our way and we're hopeful as we move forward. <laughs> so tell us about the empowerment project. What exactly, like, what is it? First of all, what's yeah. the empowerment project? So <laughs> I, I understand that you're, you're teaching mindfulness, but, but what does that look like? What is the science aspect? Where does that come in? So I'm going to take that one, Andrea. Yeah, go ahead. That's all you. <laughs> so, um, so we've been told like numerous times over and over again, and it's the same thing we tell our kids, you know, put a smile on your face, be grateful, you know, think about something positive or, you know, we are, we're always giving them uh, moments to be appreciative and to be introspective. But the biggest issue is kids are really smart and they don't want to do things unless they want, unless they know why. Okay. So well, why should I put a smile on my face? Why should I be grateful? Well, this is when we started diving into the science, right? And so we found that anytime you engage in mindfulness activities, whether it's, you know, doing positive affirmations or, or, or writing down gratitudes or doing a breathing exercise or meditating, you're actually affecting the brain. So the brain starts functioning in a very, very different manner. So uh, the more you engage in these types of activities, the more you change the neural pathways. So the pathways that are within our brain that are responsible for our thought and our memories and our recall, we can actually change those pathways the more we engage in mindfulness activities. And then also what happens is the gray matter in our brain is what uh, basically makes our brain nice and strong. And what we've found through our research is when you engage in these activities, once again, what happens is gray matter in our stress centers actually start decreasing and start increasing in our cognitive areas of our brain. So the second that you put that science out there for kids or for teens or for adults, and of course our language changes depending on who we're talking to, mm -hmm. It's like that light bulb moment for these kids. And they're like, oh, you know, uh, miss, I, I tried this activity and you know what? You were right. I felt really good. Or we'll walk them through a breathing exercise or walk them through a, a meditation. And you see these revived beings like sitting in front of you once this session is over. So the science was our why. Like, this is why you need to do it. And then, of course, my science background Andrea's background in mindfulness, you know, it was, it, it was just like a, a perfect pairing, you know, mm -hmm. you know, when you have that meal and you want that perfect glass of wine to go with it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. And just to, to add to that, because in the Shar is, is the science guru and I I've learned so much from her. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we called it the empowerment project because we want to empower individuals to let them understand that they're in control, right? So, so much of what we stress about 
is feelings of being out of control. And I can't control my feelings, my emotions, my thoughts, my actions. So when we break it down to science and when we show them that, no, actually you do have a choice, you can decide how you want to feel today and what you choose to focus on. And when you do, this is the outcome. Now, is it going to take effort? Heck yeah. Mm -hmm. Are you going to just wake up one day and have this new positive attitude? (laughs) No, especially if that's not how you've been trained, right? So we talk a lot about, now this is more when we work with the adults, but um, some of the high school kids get it because they're kind of getting into that uh, pre-adulthood that, you know, we've all been conditioned. We've all been conditioned to respond to stress in a certain way. And we don't say this as judgment of like, oh, you know, you have a horrible childhood. Not at all. It's just like we've all been conditioned from parents, from society experiences. They create our personality. They create our responses to life situations. So when we can become mindful, which is basically just being aware of those responses and understand that there's very intricate things going on in the brain, but you can change it. The brain, we all, we use the term neuroplasticity, and it is a term that's sort of been more commonly used. Um, I remember when we first started the program, it always come up as, you know, when you're writing in Word, it would be redlined underneath, like you're spelling that wrong. This word doesn't even exist, Neuroplasticity, (laughs) it doesn't exist. And now it 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 actually does. They've got with the program. It doesn't do a redline underneath. Um, So you know, we, we try to enforce that we can change our brain and we can change those habits if we choose to do so. And if we put the effort behind it with these beautiful tools that we provide to them. (laughs) Okay. So the mom in me, so my background is in elementary education. I'm a mom. I have two little girls with like, I don't know. There's no stupid. I was going to say, this is going to be a stupid question, but there's no stupid questions. When is is it ever too early to start? Like, when do we start that? Obviously you don't like, if you have a baby, like it's kind of hard to practice mindfulness for a baby, but like at what age can we start to teach this to our kids and how do we do that? That's a really good question. And I'm actually going to throw some science at you right now. Please do. Yeah. So between the ages of zero to seven, children live in what's called a hypnoidal state where their brain waves are really slow. So anything that they learn comes from the people that are around them between the ages of zero to seven. So I'm, I would say to you, the way that you're going to teach your child is by teaching yourself, the more you practice it and make it a part of your life. And the more your children observe that in you, they're more likely to pick up those tools and tips and ideas and strategies and use them themselves. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of how we've been conditioned is from our parents, right? Good or bad, you know, depending on their background, you know, it's a different for everybody. And I certainly don't blame anybody. I don't, you know, I, I've forgiven anyone and everyone that's ever been in my life that has influenced me good or bad, whatever. Um, but, you know, if I was to say anything to you, I would say it would start with you. Right. And it doesn't matter. It's, it's never, you're never too late. 
you're never too late. Good. Cause when you said seven, I'm like, damn it. My nine-year-old screwed. Well, <laughs> that's what, what I said. You say, you say the same thing. We're like, oh my God, we're done. Okay. Too late. Yes. Out of the three kids, I still have two chances. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. There's still hope. And I mean, and I do agree with that completely that there is a magic window of age there. For example, like when kids are learning a language, they just absorb it. My kids were in, we, we live in a multilingual home and they don't remember learning English or French. They just learned them at the wow. same time. And because that's how our house was. And so when people say, Oh, how do your kids speak French so well? well actually they spoke French first. And because we were living in France at the time and they just, I, only spoke English to them. So they just learned it at that age. Try as an adult to do that. Mm-hmm. Not quite so easy. It doesn't matter how immersed you are. You're not going to get it as fast as someone who is, let's say under seven years old. And so, and I do think because you see when anxieties are raised in parents, anxieties are raised in kids and I, they just kind of feed off us a little bit. Right. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. practice. So I yeah. need to practice like publicly practice mindfulness is what you're telling me. And, and being, be aware of your responses. Right. And like, I know for me, my, my big thing with my kids is like, I would yell like, and it would be like an outburst of like, don't do that. You know? And I followed by a giant wave of mom guilt. Exactly. (laughs) Right. And, and I see my daughter who's 11 and a half. She totally does that, especially with her younger brother. And she's just like, and I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's totally from me. So obviously, you know, what's done is done. And, and yeah, the guilt is there, but where I find I can help now is in approaching it as, you know, what I said before or how I responded before wasn't very good. And I apologize for that. So there's that apology. Mm -hmm. And you know what, if I could have done it differently, I would have done it this way. Um, and that kind of hopefully is, is helping them understand um, and, and teach them that self-awareness um, because that's truly what it is, is just being self-aware. Uh, some little tactical tools that we've used in our house is we created a gratitude jar where, um, you know, Dollarama, glass jar, post-it notes with a pencil next to it. And, you know, I would say whenever you feel you know, the, uh, the call to write something down, just go over, write it, put it in the jar. And then when it fills up, we dump it and, and, and read it. And, you know, my seven-year-old, we started this like two years ago. He obviously wasn't even writing back then, but he would draw something <laughs> or, yeah. you know, or I know he would, he'd asked his sister to, and she would sign it, you know, his name. And, uh, what was always really great is, you know, my husband, he's a wonderful, amazing husband and father, but you know, this sort of stuff for him is just not his job. Like he's kind of like, okay, Andrea, like whatever you say, but I would find notes from him in, in, in the jar. And I'd be like, oh, so you are, you know, participating. (laughs) So that was really nice. So little things like that, we make vision boards with our kids. Again, like the eye rolls are there. But when I start hearing, especially my daughter, like talking to her friends and saying, you know what, like we, we should just be grateful that we even, you know, have a school to go to. And, and you know, you just hear it coming out in her natural um, a- activities. It's like, okay, 
okay, I'm, I'm on it's the right sink, path. It's, I'm sink, it's sinking in and, and it's all just practice, like example, practice through example, and, and they'll eventually pick it up. Yeah. Um, there's a science to the broken record. You know, yes. I sound like a broken record. There's science to support the broken record. Yes. You have to hear something. And I remember learning about that in education and I don't know what the number is, but you have to say something a certain amount of times for kids of a certain age to get it. And the number was huge. And I remember thinking, yep, that's about right for teachers, yeah. for moms, for anyone who has repeated themselves hundreds of times. Eventually it's just kind of like that. The, we have those moments where you say something and then you're like, oh my God, I'm my mother. Like where it just comes out and all of a sudden you're like, well, yeah, I've heard that 7,000 times in my life. And now here I am just regurgitating it to my own children. Here we go. Exactly. Exactly. You know, yeah. it's that awareness that's key though, right? Do you want to keep it? Do you want to hang on to that? Or do you want to revamp yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> Share the good and then let go, let go of those ones that weren't so good, maybe. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. 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 So ladies on your, in your online course, I saw that there's something called like the growth mindset GPS. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to us about what that is? Absolutely. So we decided that once, um, you know, we had the school kind of program going, the, the corporate program going, we thought we should provide something for the public for anyone to take, which is basically an amalgamation of what we teach at schools and at companies into a nice condensed six week course. And, um, we called it growth mindset GPS as sort of that whole, you know, play on, you know, it's your navigation to a growing, um, a better mindset. And in there, we, we have kind of the four or five, I believe pillars of, of change and, and just going through each step, um, providing tools along the way, there's some little homework. Um, and then we kind of touch base with, with the, um, with the students throughout. So we just, um, we just ran the course and we've completed it now. And uh, we're kind of sitting and waiting to see if we want to you know, run it again, or maybe tweak it a little bit. But it was sort of our first chance to bring what we have to the public. And, and see how it goes. So for, so, so for people who aren't familiar, maybe they've seen, sometimes you see those things online on Instagram posts or whatever, and it's like fixed mindset, growth mindset. Can you give us, give us the Coles notes version of like, what are someone's listening? And they're like, Oh, I'm like really out in the dark here because I don't even know what growth mindset is. Mm -hmm. I think what is it? And why do we need it? Well, I think that growth mindset, if I can explain it this way, is uh, an awareness and recognizing that you your thinking has been uh, your thinking's very narrow and very biased by your by your perspectives and what you've learned, um, you know, through life up to this point in time. But when you apply our our tools and techniques. So when they learn about the science and the pliability of the brain, and they understand that they can actually expand their knowledge and actually use that knowledge to expand themselves, right? So the way that they, be, their thought processes, the way that they feel, their actions, the results that come out of it, when they understand 
that it's possible to be more than what you what they are at any given time and not that there's anything wrong with who they are right but anytime we want to grow it's painful right it's painful it's uncomfortable so introducing new ideas to our life and introducing new thought processes and expanding that horizon is what a growth mindset is when we talk about a fixed mindset we're talking about that individuals that don't believe that they they need to grow that you know what they believe it is to be true and correct and their perspective cannot be changed so and that causes a lot of problems right i mean even if you think about what's happening right now you know the whole idea of diversity and inclusion and all of that kind of stuff this is growth mindset like this mm-hmm. is people being introduced to new ways of honoring people and their choices right and honoring diversity and how to be more inclusive and in order for you to be more inclusive you have to understand not only that you're coming to the table with a story but so is the other person so how do i grow here how do i make this union harmonious and it's through growth and learning about them them learning about you you understanding what your biases are them understanding what their biases are allows for growth right because there's that hey you know what Uh, this is where i am this is where you are come on let's let's meet in the middle here let's let's try to figure out how we can get closer by understanding one another and that's uncomfortable sometimes so that if i'm sorry i know i just sort of went on i love that that's that's the information we need so here's my question because if someone finds your program and they are like, I need this, I need the growth mindset GPS, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm thinking that for them to recognize that they want to take a course like that, they're already in growth mindset because they're thinking, I I need this. I want to learn more. How do we, how do we find the people who don't recognize that they need it? Like, how can a person think, Hmm, do I, do I need maybe to expand my mindset a little bit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if there's an answer to that. Yeah, but- no, you know what? I think, you know, it's like um, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Yes. So I, uh, so I think, and Andrea, of course, please jump in if if uh, if you feel like I'm not explaining this properly. But I really believe that things happen in our life for us, right? They don't happen to us; they happen for us, and. You know what, if it is something that is innately coming out, kind of like how Andrea said at the beginning, I knew that I needed to change something, but I wasn't brave enough to do it on her own. And so the universe just sort of yanked the rug from underneath her and said, sorry, you're doing it right now. And I kind of feel like that's what happens. I think when, when that, that, when that question arises and that need for discovery arises, when you kind of feel like, you know, I'm, I feel a little empty. I don't really understand why I'm here. I don't know what my purpose is. And people start searching things just show up for them, Mm -hmm. but you're right. You can't, you, a leopard, you can't change a leopard spots or a leopard doesn't change his spots. You know that, you know, that Uh, they have to be ready. They have to be. I think that's the perfect answer. When, when the, the student is ready, the teacher appears. And I love that. And I, I can just see it when you're, as you said that, I'm just thinking of my own life and, and when that has arised for me. And I think there's a lot of truth there. And so maybe someone, maybe someone listening to this, or maybe someone who has seen a post in the past about something and then thought, 
oh yeah, that's nice. It doesn't apply to me. And then they could hear something like this six months down the road. And then there's a spark, there's a click, there's a need. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you ladies some wine, women, and well-being questions. Ready? Mm -hmm. If you could sit down and have a conversation with one woman living or dead, who would it be? Okay. I know mine right away. Okay. Who's you, Andrea? Well, it's got to be Oprah. Come on. Everybody loves Oprah, right? (laughs) I know. I'm so, it's such a cliche, but you know, it's Oprah, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's Oprah. And I just feel just, she would be able to bring in everyone like, cause mm-hmm. maybe she'd call Brene Brown and she'd call <laughs> and Ilanya, it'd be a hell of a party, <laughs> right? She'd call Ilanya Vanza and she'd call all her friends, or at least I'd have the knowledge that she has learned from all of those amazing people and leaders and, you know, everyone that I could just, yeah, I've just always admired her what she stands for, how vulnerable and honest she is. And I think we could be really good friends. I I also (laughs) feel that way about Oprah. I'm not going to lie. And there's just something about her voice. I went for a run this morning and was listening in my ears to super soul Sunday. Never in my life. Did I think I was like, I need to run to like dance mix 99 for the rest of my life. That's like, that's where my music taste lies. Yeah. But now here I am 40 years old listening to super soul Sunday on my run because I put it on and I'm like, Oh, Hey girl. Hey, Oprah. How's it going? It's just so soothing. It's like your friend. I know. Yeah, I feel we're, the we're same tight, way. I. Good. Well, I'm putting it out there. We're going to manifest that. Perfect. Shar, how about you? Well, you know what? It's funny that you're saying Oprah because the one person that came to my mind was Maya Angelou. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that Maya Angelou was a very big, influence and teacher and mother figure for Oprah but Maya Angelou I think was probably one of the most compassionate kind and bright individuals I mean I you know I her quotes her story uh, just what she's been able to share with the world has been such a gift so she would definitely be somebody that I would I would definitely grab a cup of coffee with or make a pot of tea and just shoot the breeze. Like that would be fascinating for me. Yes. And, mm-hmm. and this morning on that run, Oprah was talking about her and how influential she was and, and her quotes. And I've used so many of her quotes on our wine, women and wellbeing social media. And Oprah was when Oprah and I were talking this morning, she, <laughs> she was saying, uh, my Angelou's quote on, um, people will never, they might forget what you did. They might forget how, but they'll never, how you acted, but they'll never forget the way you made them feel. Mm-hmm. That's you one of, that. I misquoted her there, but you, you get the idea of, yeah, of, yeah, absolutely. It's my favorite quote. And I think I even posted that very recently on social media, but my favorite quote. Yeah. Okay. Ladies, what is your go-to well-being or self-care practice? Um, for me, it has to be a yoga class meditation just getting away, rolling out my mat and just being me and my mat and whatever four walls around me. It's, uh, it's, it's imperative to, to my, to my life right now. Um, it's not just what I do for a living. It's, it's part of my, my practice in my daily life. So 
Um, whether, you know, and I know people say, oh, you know, yoga, you got to be, you know, flexible and you got to do all these crazy stretches and contortions. And, and that's so not what yoga is for me. It's, it's just about becoming present. And um, like I, yeah, and, and just being there. And when you talk about self care, I think of self love. And that's me showing myself love that, you know, I can fill my cup. So it runs over for everyone around me. Um, and I know when I get too busy and my practice starts to uh, suffer, I'm, I'm not as happy and I'm not as nice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually recently just posted something about that. It's like, you know, why do you meditate? Because I'm nicer. And when yeah. I'm nicer, everything else goes well. <laughs> when the self-care comes first, we just tend to be kinder to the people around us because we were kind to ourselves first. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mine is uh, meditation. That's my go-to. Um, something I've been practicing for 23 years and then exercise. Like to the point where my kids are like, oh, you know, she doesn't look like she's in a really good mood. You know, can we discreetly like throw her running shoes at her? Like, <laughs> like go for a walk, go for a run, mom. <laughs> um, but yeah, for me, it's meditation and it's, um, it's exercise, like some form of exercise, whether I'm walking or running in nature, or we just got a Peloton and I, you know, loving my bike right now. Um, but those are my go-to and, and people notice in this house that like Andrea, I'm far kinder to be around far more tolerable. Same. That makes three of us. Absolutely. <laughs> Good. Favorite book or podcast recommendation. Oh my gosh. Do you have like three hours? Cause we can talk about this. <laughs> no, but I'm going to get a pen. Yeah. So, you know what I'm going to say, so we have so many favorite books, but I'm going to go with one of the very first books we read in book club because it was that shift for me. And, you know, we always have that, that moment, that, that shift. And so it's by Louise Hay and it's called, you can heal your life. And Louise Hay is, is no longer with us in this physical plane, but her teachings and her legacy live on. She, she runs Hay House Publishing. And this book, You Can Heal Your Life, it's all about um, how, you, how our emotions directly relate to how our body feels. And she coined the phrase, well, I think she coined the phrase, dis-ease is disease in your body. Oh. So when there's dis-ease. And so, you know, she, the book is, is really easy to flow through and, and her main tool were affirmations and um, writing things down and affirming with positive statements and words to yourself and doing mirror work where you sit in front, which is so freaking hard. And Shar knows this, where you sit and you look at yourself in the mirror and it's like, so you know, uncomfortable. It's, it's so uncomfortable. And it's like, I'm worthy. I am loved. And, and it's, it's tough, but um, it was, it was that book. And I, th I think, you know, we spent so much time in it at a book club and we cried over it. And, and it's always like when I have a new student in my class, who's just kind of learning about this self-development world and, and our connection with well-being and, and our emotions, I'm like, 
you need to read this book. I always recommend it to them. Um, so I have to say that, and you know, pot, I just, I'm obsessed with podcasts. You talk about how you listen to them when you're running. I'm not a runner, but I'm a really good speed walker. <laughs> so <laughs> I speed walk and I read, I, I mean, and I mean, Brene Brown's a dare to lead and mm-hmm. unlocking us is one of my favorites Same. right now. I just, it doesn't matter what it is. I don't care who she's talking to. I'm just like, all right, I'll listen to that historian talk about, you know, World War II. Like, I don't even care. Um, and I just put on the Glennon Doyle. Um, I'm like three quarters of the way through the first episode and I so far really enjoy it. Um, so that I'm sure that'll get on my list for sure. How sure. about you, sure? Um, well, it's so funny because I'm going to piggyback onto what you're saying, because the first book we read in book club was You Can Heal Your Life. And when I started doing the exercises, I found them so frustrating because I couldn't look in the mirror and tell myself that I loved myself and that I was beautiful and smart and worthy. Like I just couldn't do it. Like initially when I started, it's, it was fine. Like, you know, she says in 30 days, you're, you're going to be a completely different person or 21 days. I think she says in the book, Andrea, I don't remember Mm -hmm. 30 or 21. Um, So, you know, initially when you start the whole process of affirmations, um, you know, you start feeling good. Like, you know, you're uh, day one, day two, day six, you're feeling good with these affirmations. But then what happens is, with any type of work where you are trying to change yourself, your body wants to reject it. Okay. So your body's going to say, you know what? I kind of liked you better when you thought you were unworthy. You didn't feel valued. You thought you were dumb, you know? So I, you know, I kind of like that. So, you know what, let's go back there. I don't want you to change. And so again, my science brain is going, how does this work for everybody? And it's not working for me. Like mm-hmm. I'm totally defective. Like I'm the defective one. I'm that the exception I'm that, to the rule. I'm broken. <laughs> That's I'm so broken. It's not going to work for me. And so again, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Um, and I picked up a book by a chiropractor, a chiropractor by the name of Joe Dispenza. And the book is called Evolve Your Brain, The Science of Changing Your Mind. So that this is my book, because in this book, I understood what was happening to my brain and to my body as I was changing my thought processes. The first thing I figured out, I understood was when you say positive affirmations, you release a certain set of hormones like positive hormones, like endorphins and, and um, uh, gosh, serotonin, like all these amazing hormones. But when you have negative self-talk, you release a different type of hormone. So my body was so used to having these negative hormones dumped in the body that when I tried to change my thinking, my body was going through like a chemical warfare, literally. Like, I don't want you to dump any more endorphins into your body. I really like the neuropeptides. I like it when you think of yourself less than. And so it was his book that allowed me to get over that hump. So I actually made it to day 21. I made it to day 30. I made it to day 1000. Like I've been doing affirmations since then. And this, Andrea, how long was this process? When did we start this process? Like, I don't even, I can't even tell you how many years ago. 
And, um, and then the other thing that I found out, which was really interesting, which is a reason why a lot of people have a hard time changing their habits is people are addicted to them. You can become addicted to your thoughts mm-hmm. as, and your feelings as much as you can become addicted to things like nicotine or alcohol or drugs or food or sugar. It is actually a chemical that you are um, stuck on. So that is my go-to book. Joe Dispenza's book, Evolve Your Brain, The Science of Changing Your Mind. Uh, It changed my life. It changed my life. Amazing. Yeah, he's great. What does sisterhood mean to you? Oh, I'm going to (laughs) cry. Sisterhood is unconditional. Um connection on a on a level beyond the physical yeah that's just really what came to me right now yeah I was gonna say the unconditional love and a safe space for you to be authentic and raw and real without any judgment mm-hmm. that's, that's what I feel yes yeah. mm-hmm. and our last question what advice would you give to your 16 year old self? Um, what advice? Uh, I would say stop trying to be perfect. Just go with the flow. There's so much time and just keep learning. Um, I know for me, I, I grew up as a middle child, like (laughs) typical textbook middle child. And, um, you know, I really was that overachiever had to get everything right and perfect and tick up, tick all the boxes. And I think, you know, it created a lot of anxiousness and, um, yeah, just kind of, I, I like just extra challenges that I probably didn't need to. I mean, I, I don't regret anything because it's all part of the process, but I would, you know, just tell her like, it's okay. You don't have to be perfect. You can make mistakes and uh, everything's going to be okay. Yeah. Uh, I would say that you are loved no matter what. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're loved no matter what. And uh, as soon as Andrea said it, I was thinking it, go with the flow, like go with the flow. And something that I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, life doesn't happen to you. It happens for you. Right. So I think those are the things I would tell my 16 year old self, but now if she's going to listen, of course, <laughs> no teenagers, 16 year olds. Right. Well, yeah, you're raising a 17 year old or is she 18 yet? 17. She'll be 17. 18. Crazy. Well, thank you ladies so much for being here, for telling us all about what you do and for helping us to just maybe reflect a little bit more on our own mindset and our practices and um, how we're showing up every day. Yes. Thank you for having us. Such an honor. And thank you. Thank you. Perfect. Thanks ladies. Thanks Lisa. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, friends. If you like what you've heard, 
subscribe and recommend us to a friend. Head to winewomenwellbeing.com to find out more about what our community is all about and reach out to us on social media. We'd love to connect. Until next time, stay classy, stay kind.